Welcome. You are listening to SIB Life Church Sermon Audio Podcast. If you would like to know about SIB Life, including our online service time, you can join us online at siblife.my. Good morning, church. Welcome home. So good to be back. And shout out to all our SIB Life members. Wherever you are, whether you are in our campus in uh, Toronto and uh, Lumut or in Perak or whether you are in Klang Valley or back in your hometown or probably this is your first time joining our online service. Welcome to SIB Life. Welcome home. Now, so let us continue with our sermon series from the book of Exodus. I want us to straight away dive in the word of God. All right. Are you guys ready? Now, let's open our Bible in uh, Exodus chapter 14 verse 5 to 31. Now, we have uh, read a part of chapter 14 last week, right? So I want to continue reading from verse 19 onwards, right? Exodus chapter 14, verse 19. Then the angel of God, who was going in front of the Israelites' forces, moved and went behind them. The pillar of cloud moved from in front of them and stood behind them. It came between the Egyptian and the Israelite forces. There was cloud and darkness. It lit up the night, and neither group came near to other all night long. Then Moses stretched out his hand over the sea. The Lord drove the sea back with a powerful east wind all that night and turned the sea into dry land. So the waters were divided. Verse 22, And the Israelites went through the sea on dry ground with the waters like a wall to them on their right and their left. Verse 23, The Egyptians set out in pursuit all Pharaoh's horses, his chariots, and his horsemen, and went into the sea after them. During the morning watch, the Lord looked down at the Egyptian forces from the pillar of fire and cloud and threw the Egyptian forces into confusion. He caused their chariot wheels to swerve and made them drive with difficulty. Let's get away from Israel, the Egyptians said, because the Lord is fighting for them against Egypt. Then the Lord said to Moses, Stretch out your hand over the sea so that the, way, the water may, came, may, may come back on the Egyptians on their chariots and horsemen. So Moses stretched out his hand over the sea, and at daybreak the sea returned to its normal depth. While the Egyptians were trying to escape from it, the Lord threw them into the sea. The water came back and covered the chariots and horsemen, plus the entire army of Pharaoh that had gone after them into the sea. Not even one of them survived. But the Israelites had walked through the sea on dry ground with the waters like a wall to them on their right and their left. That day, the Lord saved Israel from the power of the Egyptians and Israel saw the Egyptians dead on the seashore. When Israel saw the great power that the Lord used against the Egyptians, the people feared the Lord and believed, believed in Him and in His servant Moses. Hallelujah. Now, so I'm going to title my sermon today, Trusting in God's Deliverance. Trusting in God's Deliverance. When Moses took the Israelites out of Egypt, they, have, um, they could have made it to the Promised Land in little more than a week. Now, of course, we know from last week's sermons, when Pastor Dan showed the map that God purposely changed their route 
leading them to a detour instead of taking uh, the shortest or fastest route to the promised land, which eventually took them on a route that began a 40-year journey. Now, a journey that um, um, involved the need for God to perform yet another miracle, which is the parting of the Red Sea. Right? Now, the story of Moses parting the Red Sea is a, a story known to many people, young and old, including non-Christians. Yes, this story is about God showing His power. Yes, it's about trusting God when you are facing, when you are facing challenges in your life. But more than that, this story is a story of the Lord redeeming His people, a story of God's deliverance, not only upon the people of Israel, but upon all of us today. Can I hear an amen? Hallelujah. Now, the Red Sea crossing is a symbolic of God's act of delivering humankind from the bondage of slavery to become His own people, His own children, through His one and only Son, Jesus Christ. Now, I will explain more on this in a few minutes' time. So this morning, I want to invite all of us to see two important lessons from uh, this passage. Yeah? Two important lessons on God's deliverance that we can draw from today's reading. All right, are you guys ready? So, the first one, God's deliverance is according to His means and timing. God's deliverance is according to His means and timing. Now, if we can be honest to, to each other, we as a human, you know, will only surrender to God when we come to a dead end in our life. Think about it. You know, we come to God only when we run out of ideas, run out of uh, effort in freeing ourselves from whatever problems we face. Because we know sometimes God's way doesn't make sense, illogical, and, 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 and for some, God's means of delivering us out of problems really challenges our belief system, really challenges our culture. His means in delivering his firstborn, the Israelites, is by what? By using Moses, there is someone who disqualified himself even before he began his mission. But God still wanted to use Moses to fulfill his plan. Hallelujah. Now, as I mentioned earlier, we can see in Exodus uh, chapter 14, uh, verse 2, instead of taking a shorter route, God asked them to turn back and encamp near Pi-Hahirot. Hahirot, yeah. Pi-Hahirot, sorry. Between Migdol and the sea. There, uh, they are to encamp by the sea directly opposite Baal Zephon. Now, so that why? So that the Pharaoh will think the Israelites are lost and in confusion. And that's what the Bible says. So from the standpoint of military strategy, the detour that the Israelites took doesn't make sense at all. They were already well on their way to freedom when God ordered them to turn around. Now from human perspective, this detour is as if God doesn't have a concrete redemption plan. It seems like God, uh, God's plan to deliver the Israelites was not clear. It's as if like He's changing His mind. Now, for those of you who have been following our sermon series, you would know by now why God executed the ten plagues of Egypt when He can actually snap his finger or just say the word to free the Israelites. 
but yet he chose to use the ten plagues. You know why, right? And then why don't you know why don't the Israelites just pack their stuff and just wait for God to teleport them to the promised land? No, instead, what they need to do, they have to cross the desert for the pillar of cloud and fire. Why? Now imagine if you are one of the Israelites, all right? You might say to God, come on, God, how can I be sure of my future if you don't tell me what to expect in days or weeks or months to come? If you're going to save us, can you please give us a timeline? Show us the map so that we know where we are and how we progress, right? As human, we got to admit that as human, we are good on giving excuses or we may call it like um, logical reason for not trusting God's plan, right? We're good at that. We want to trust God and obey Him, but when He leads us to unfamiliar territory, we come up with reasons for not to trust Him. In Psalm chapter 91, verse 14 to 16, Because He loves me, says the Lord, I will rescue Him. I will protect Him, for He acknowledges my name. He will call on me and I will answer Him. I will be with Him in trouble. I will deliver Him and honor Him. With long life, I will satisfy Him and show Him my salvation. Hallelujah. Church, this is God saying to us, this is God saying to, to you and me, when we call upon Him, He will answer us. Amen? He will deliver us. You know, well, when we are in trouble. Now, siapa yang tidak mau dibebaskan dari masalah, kan? Yeah? He will satisfy us with long life and show us His salvation. And this is exactly what happened to the nation of Israel. Yeah? Don't limit God's work by expecting Him to only show Himself in certain KKR, certain events, certain speakers. God's means of salvation is for Him to decide and not for us to dictate. Come on, church. Now, I remember many years ago when I became a youth leader in my, my previous church, there are some youth and, and I know even some parents got disappointed you know, when their youth didn't get transformed after attending uh, our church camp or events. You know, just because you have experienced God in certain manner, just because you have experienced God in, in, in certain camp or KKR, that doesn't mean that He will use the same means, the same approach, same method to touch other people's life. And some of us probably been wondering, if God wants to deliver me out of my sufferings, why is He not answering my prayers? Why is He neglecting me when I needed Him most? I want Him to show up now. I want Him to answer my call, my, my call now. Now, or maybe some of you are saying, Pastor, I've been praying for my uh, family. I've been praying for people who are close to me for many years. But their condition is not getting better. But in fact, their condition gets worse. Now, if you think that your condition or the people around you, their condition is worse, look at the Israelites. They're in slavery for 400 years. 
you might have been praying for your boss or your family members to, to, so that they can come to know Christ. You might have given up and let them be, you know, whatever they want to be. But remember, God is a sovereign God. He knows when to perform. 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 8 to 9. But do not forget this one thing, dear friends. With the Lord, a day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years like a day. The Lord is not slow in keeping His promise, as some understand slowness. Instead, catch this, He is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. Church, put your trust in God. His deliverance is according to His means and His timing, not according to ours. Our Creator knows what's best for us, His creation. Amen? To trust God is to trust our Creator. He is not like the world that, that betrays us with false hopes. Now, I remember many years ago, um, during my college days, one of our church uh, members uh, shared her experience when her com uh, uh, company's car broke down. You know, so what happened was they are in the catering business. So after work, on their way back home, the car went out of petrol. You know, just completely stopped. You know, because why? The driver forgot to refuel. Yeah. So stranded at late night, and an all exhausted, she prayed to God inside the car, and God told her to pour the leftover orange juice into the fuel tank. Crazy, isn't it? So talk about God's means and timing. So what happened? She obeyed. Although her, the company's uh, driver reluctant to do so, you know, but since she insists, she said, hey, tuang la, tuang la. She poured uh, the orange juice inside the fuel tank and guess what? Guess what? They got fuel. Enough to bring them to the nearest petrol station. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Oh, wow, you know? God's means of deliverance might be crazy for us, but He always answers us at the right timing. And our, 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 our job is to obey. Now, God's part is to deliver us according to His means and timing. Our part is to obey and follow Him. Can I hear an amen? Amen. So now we know that in whatever situation you are in right now, God's deliverance is according to His means and timing. We need to obey and follow, just like Moses and the Israelites. Now, we come to the second lesson, the most important lesson we can learn from the Red Sea crossing, which is number two. God's deliverance is according to His purpose. God's deliverance is according to His purpose. Why God led the Israelites for a detour? Because He knew that the Israelites will change their mind and they can easily be intimidated, just like a flock of sheep. In verse 10, as Pharaoh approached, the Israelites looked up and there were the Egyptians marching after them. They were terrified and cried out to the Lord. Now, once again, I want you to imagine this, right? The Israelites witnessing the powerful hand of God through the ten plagues. And now they are witnessing God's deliverance 
deliverance upon them through Moses and the pillars of cloud and fire. All went well until they come to a dead end, which is the Red Sea. And when the Israelites look up, they saw the Egyptian barge in from behind and they were terrified. They got panicked. Now you see church, when you experience problems, don't look up to your problems. Don't be like the Israelites, but look up to your God who came to deliver you. Can I hear amen? So the Israelites complained to Moses, why are you bringing us here? Look at what Moses told the Israelites in verse 13. Moses answered the people, Do not be afraid, stand firm, and you will see the deliverance the Lord will bring you today. The Egyptians you see today, you will never see again. The Lord will fight for you. You need only to be still. Hallelujah. You know, God's purpose for deliverance is for us to know who He is and what He can do. Who He is and what He can do. He is the Lord who is going to fight for us. Amen. Come on, church. 3,000 years ago, Moses told the Israelites, the Lord will fight for you. You need only to be still. And today, church, I want you to know that the same God who fought for Israelites is the same God who will fight for you today. You just need to stand still. Now, one more time, some of you need to catch this. The same God who fought for Israel is the same God who will fight for you today. Amen? You just need to stand still. And when He fights for us, we will never see our Egypt again. We will never be slave to our past. We will never be slave to our sin ever again because He has come to deliver us. Amen, amen, hallelujah. Now, in verse 17, God told Moses, I will harden the hearts of the Egyptians so that they will go in after them. And I will gain glory through Pharaoh and all his army through his chariots and his horsemen. Verse 18, the Egyptian will know that I am the Lord when I gain glory through Pharaoh, his chariots and his horsemen. God's purpose for deliverance is for his own glory, for his own glory. Pharaoh came towards the Israelites with his army, chariots and horsemen. Now, we are talking about the, uh, the, the best, the most sophisticated and advanced army in those days. They are chasing a nation that has never fought a war and, and has so far only been a slave to them. Yeah? For Pharaoh, Moses and the Israelites is an easy target. But they didn't know that they are not fighting the Israelites. They are fighting against God of Israel, the God who has shown His glory through the ten plagues and who will show His glory once again by dividing the Red Sea. Amen. God wanted the Egyptians to know that He is the Lord, Yahweh. Though God had a covenant responsibility to bring the Jewish people out of Egypt, He was also concerned about the spiritual condition of the Egyptians. You know, check this out. In verse 4, God told Moses, I will harden Pharaoh's heart and he will pursue them, but I will gain glory for myself through Pharaoh and all his army. And the Egyptian will know that I am the Lord. Likewise, 
when God takes us uh, the long way, He may have in mind the salvation of others. Ada amen? Amen? God's purpose for deliverance is for His own glory. Now let this be a reminder for us today. It's not because the Israelites are righteous, it's because of His glory. We don't deserve it, guys. We don't deserve it. But God chose to deliver us for His own glory. Aren't you grateful for that? Amen? Amen? Now, next one. God's purpose for deliverance is to increase our faith. Untuk meningkatkan iman kita. Now, remember last Sunday, uh, Pastor Dan preached whereby when God lead us to a dead end, it is so that we could learn to live by faith. God's means and timing in delivering us from our bondage can be so difficult for us to accept, but we know that God's purpose in doing that is for us to learn to live by faith and not by sight. Can I hear an amen? Yeah. Moses displayed his confidence in God in his word. Let's look at uh, verse 13 to 14 again. Moses answered the people, Do not be afraid. Stand firm and you will see the deliverance the Lord will bring you today. The Egyptian you see today, you will never see again. The Lord will fight for you. You need only be to be still. This is the best example of how a person who has faith in God responds to whatever problems they face in life. From someone who are too scared to speak to people, you know, Moses, no, into someone who stood before millions and proclaimed God's promises upon them. Hallelujah. Moses showed the characteristic of a person who had increased faith as he learned to submit and obey God's commandments. Next one, God's purpose for deliverance is to show us His love through His Son, Jesus. The crossing of the Red Sea is also a symbolic of the baptism in Jesus Christ. Yeah, we, we may be tempted to think that this is another wonderful story of God's miraculous saving power on display. However, we would be missing the bigger picture in the story of redemption. How many of you know that the Old Testament prepares the way for the New Testament? Now, the exodus from Egypt is a real historical occurrence that foreshadows Christ's salvation work for his people. What God did through Moses was to provide physical salvation from physical slavery. What God does for us through his son is to provide spiritual salvation from a spiritual slavery. So our slavery isn't like that of the uh, Israelites in Egypt. We know that the Israelites were slaves in Egypt, but we are also slaves to sin. As Jesus said to the Pharisees in John chapter 8, verse 34 and 36, Truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who commits sin is a slave to sin. Verse 36, so if the Son sets you free, you will be free indeed. Amen. Amen. Yeah. Friends, the passing through the Red Sea is used as a symbol of the believer's identification with the death, burial, and the resurrection of 
Jesus Christ. Now I want us to, uh, uh, to turn to First Corinthians chapter ten, verse one to four. Okay, First Corinthians chapter ten, verse one to four. The Apostle Paul says, "For I want you to know, brothers, that our fathers were all under the cloud, and all passed through the sea." And all were baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea. And all ate the same spiritual food and all drank the same spiritual drink. For they drank from the spiritual rock that followed them and the rock was Christ. Paul is giving the exodus from Egypt a Christological reading. He is making the connection between the exodus from Egypt and salvation in Christ. Notice how, how, how Paul says all were baptized into Moses. All means what? Young and old, no matter what your age, you know, your gender, all means semua orang lah. Perhaps, you know what? Some of them are not sure if walking through the Red Sea is a good idea, but they just obey. Perhaps at that night, some actually didn't know the real reason for God to lead them through the Red Sea. But they just obey. Apapun kondisi iman, semuanya diselamatkan oleh Tuhan. You know, whatever the condition of our faith is, everyone saved by God. So what does this tells us? It tells us that we are saved because the object of our faith, not because of the quality of our faith. Now I rephrase this from Tim Keller. All right, we are saved because of the object of our faith, which is Jesus, not because of the quality of our faith. So Paul says that we all are baptized into Moses, just as the Israelites were baptized into Moses. So too, are Christians baptized into Christ. Amen. Romans chapter six verse four. We were buried therefore with him by baptism into death, in order that Jesus as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. Amen. So, up to this point, we know that the parting of the Red Sea not only finalized God's redemption of His people from slavery in Egypt, but it. It it also prefigured the greater spiritual reality of God's redemptions of His people from slavery to sin through the work of Christ. Amen. Now, having said that, I want to draw our attention to this one particular part. Let's let's go back to First Corinthians chapter ten, verse one to twelve. You know, Paul wrote a warning or a reminder letter to the believers in Corinthians. He warned them not to behave like some Israelites who, despite being set free from slavery, being saved through the Red Sea, they eat and drink from the spiritual food, and yet was not, and yet God was not pleased with most of them because what they took His saving grace for granted. What they do, they indulge themselves into idolatry, into sexual immorality. And as the result of their wickedness, we can read, you know, in 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 Exodus and uh, Deuteronomy, twenty-three thousand people died in a single day. Paul is drawing an analogy to the Old Testament that sacraments do not save. Sacraments do not save, 
and that believers therefore should not assume or take their faith for granted. Yeah. Secondly, when these Israelites first left Egypt, they in fact believed on the Lord. And you can read in Exodus chapter 14, verse 31. But when that faith was tested, their hearts were hardened by their own unbelief. And because of that, they would not enter God's rest. Now, that can happen to us, friend. In fact, probably some of us are like the Israelites. We are boastful about our spiritual inheritance. Our faith actually, you know, is a second-hand or third-hand faith. Now, what do I mean by that? Second-hand or third-hand faith. Now, it basically means the faith that we have is not as the result of our personal relationship with Jesus, but because of who we are. I mean, we are born in a Christian family. You know, and we equate all the church tradition. You know, equate equate and we thought that yeah, I'm a better Christian because I did all these rituals. I involved in all this. Be careful when your faith is tested. You will know where whether it's a true faith or a counterfeit faith. When you are tested, you will know whether your faith is a true faith or a counterfeit faith. Now remember, church. God's deliverance is according to His purpose, not ours. Not because we deserve it, but because of who He is. Amen? So I'm going to end with this. Just like Paul, I want to invite all of us to see the story of Moses and the Israelites crossing the Red Sea in terms of our salvation. To recognize that this, uh, their story of, of deliverance is continuous with our deliverance. The book of Exodus teaches us that on our own, we cannot defeat our cruel master that kept us in slavery. Salvation belongs to the Lord and He wants His people to learn this. Amen. So church, let us put our trust in God's deliverance. His deliverance is according to His means and timing. His deliverance is according to His purpose. We are God's people being delivered through His Son, Jesus. So let us continue to hold on to our faith in Him. Amen. Let us bow our head right now. Hallelujah, Lord. Hallelujah, Jesus. Now, I know that some of you who are listening to this sermon today, you are struggling in, in your faith. You are like the Israelites, stuck in between Pharaoh and the Red Sea. You have nowhere to go. And probably some of you have been thinking whether you are making the right decision to obey God's voice. Because your situation now seems bleak, there seems to be no way out. Friends, don't lose hope. Don't look up to your Pharaoh. Don't look up to your past. Don't look up to your problems or challenges in life. Look up to God, our Lord Jesus, who have redeemed us 2,000 years ago when He died at the cross. Amen? Hallelujah. Trust in His deliverance. It will come and you know when it comes, it's for His glory and it's for our own good. He is mighty to save and nothing can stop Him. 
Now, and some form, and for some of us today, today's message is to remind us of our salvation in Christ, to remind us of our baptism, to remind us of what Jesus has done for us. Are we living a life that honoring to God? Are we working out our salvation? Have we been living and walk in our faith faithfully? Or are we like the Israelites, taking for granted the salvation they receive from God? So church, let us take these few moments just to reflect. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, Lord. Those of you who want to respond to the word of God today, you know, I want you to raise your hands right now. Yeah. Hallelujah. Thank you, God. I'm going to pray for you. Hallelujah, Jesus. Thank you, God, for redeeming us from our slavery. Thank you for freeing us from the yoke of bondage. Thank you because with the strength of your mighty hand, you set us free from the clutches of our enemies. And today we can stand and see your work in our lives. Lord, I pray for your people right now as they respond to your word, O God. Lord, reveal your glory. Show them the work of your mighty hand. Let them see you in their impossibilities. Let them continue to put their trust in your salvation upon their lives. I speak life. I declare freedom upon their life in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. So today, Lord Jesus, we declare our faith in you. We believe our deliverance comes only from you and not by our strength, not by our ability, but by the power of your Holy Spirit. Church, I declare God's deliverance upon each of you today. Now, some of you need God's deliverance right now. Raise your hand and receive it with faith. Receive it with faith. Declare His name upon your situation right now. Amen. In Jesus' name, we are free. Amen. 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 Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Come on, church. Let us sing this song as our response to His saving grace. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, Lord. By the strength of your hand, you delivered us. Your death and resurrection gave us victory over our enemies. Your mighty hand set us free once and forever. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Kami terima Tuhan pada pagi hari ini kebebasan daripada Engkau. Hallelujah. Kami terima Tuhan kemerdekaan daripada Engkau pada hari ini. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Now let me close in prayer today. Hallelujah. Lord, we thank you for every blessing we receive today. Thank you for the opportunity to worship you. We are grateful that you are faithful God and you are always you always watches over us. Lord, I pray for every SIB Life members and even those who are joining us for the first time today, Lord. May your mighty hand always be upon them, upon their family, upon their career, their studies, Lord. May your angels surround them wherever they go, whatever they do. Hallelujah. So church, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon us and give us peace today and forevermore. Amen. Amen. Come on. Come on. Come on. Church, give God a big round of applause. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. 
that's it for today thank you for joining us um, so glad to see all of you so don't miss our we pray on wednesday at 8 30 p.m and also we pray on saturday at 9 a.m all right have a blessed sunday have a great weekend stay safe god bless you bye thank you for tuning in to live podcast we hope that you will be challenged by this message and you will share it with your friends family member and co-worker we hope you have a great day god bless you